This is LAC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit lakeeriechurch.com. Now here's today's message. Today is a special day. It's a special occasion like no other religion in the world. And there are many religions in the world, but there is no religion in the world that can boast of what Christianity can boast. And that is that its founder, its savior, its redeemer is not only was crucified, but is alive. You can go to the tomb of Confucius or to Buddha. The remains are there. Muhammad, the remains are there. The tomb is there. They worship at that place and they're there object of worship is in the tomb. But if you go today in Jerusalem to the place where they laid the body of Jesus, it's completely empty. I've been there. There's nothing there because the angel said to those that came that day, why seek you the living among the dead? Jesus is alive. And not only is he alive, but he is alive in each and every one of us today. So it's an honor for us to have you here. Where could you go in Lake County on a Sunday morning and pay $60 for a sweet potato pie and see Stella Lamas dressed in black? I mean, it's just really one of those days. And it's a special day. We're so glad that you're here today. Steve Erickson is coming now to read our scripture for this, this morning. Would you stand for the reading of God's word? As you read this today, let's keep in mind that these are sacred words that were spoken through Moses by the Lord more than 3,500 years ago. The truth is still here, and the truth will set you free. Amen. Then he, Pharaoh, called for Moses and Aaron at night and said, Rise up, get out from among my people, both you and the sons of Israel, and go, worship the Lord as you have said. Take both your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and go and bless me also. The Egyptians urged the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We will all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened with their kneading bowls bound up in the clothes on their shoulders. Now the sons of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, for they had requested from the Egyptians articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing, and the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have the request. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Now the sons of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Sukkot, about 600,000 men on foot, aside from children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, along with flocks and herds, and a very large number of livestock. They baked the dough which they had brought out of Egypt into cakes and unleavened bread, for it had not become leavened, since they were driven out of Egypt and could not delay, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. Now the time that the sons of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years, and at the end of 430 years, to the very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be observed for the Lord, for having brought them out from the land of Egypt. 
This night is for the Lord to be observed by all the sons of Israel throughout their generations. Seated. We are concluding our series in the book of Exodus that we started six weeks ago. And it's been an interesting series for so many different things. You were given when you came in today, you should have received some sermon notes. And we do this every week just so that you can have the opportunity to write down anything that God would say to you. Not necessarily what I'm saying, but what God may be saying to you. As we say so often, if you don't write down what God says to you, you won't remember it. And it's my hope this morning that God will speak to you by His Word, that the words that are spoken will not just be my words, but they will be words that God wants you to hear today. Let's bow our heads to pray. Father, thank You this morning for what You're about to do. Your Word is power. Your Word is life. And Father, we just pray now in the name of Jesus for every person that is hearing this message today. Those that are in this room, those that are watching online, those that will listen to a podcast in the days to come. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God will quicken every heart as they listen. And Father, I am careful that your name should receive all glory and all honor for everything that is done today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You might ask the question, what does the book of Exodus have to do with Easter? And it's interesting, as we were studying, Pastor Dustin and I were studying the book of Exodus, how clearly we saw the Easter story in this passage. Because Easter is about new life. It's about being raised up from the old life and becoming a new person. Now, I, I've been very mindful that this room today, and maybe even online, is populated with a very diverse group of people. I mean, some of you sitting here have been believers your whole life. That's all you've ever known is faith in Christ. You've been a church-going person. You know the Bible very well. You know all the stories of the Bible. But there are also people here who have only come to faith like last week. There's a family here in the room tonight, today, who just accepted Christ last week. So I know that there's a diversity here. And some of you don't have any faith journey. You Maybe you're here because somebody invited you or... or or someone's, you know, uh, encouraged you. Maybe your mother nagged you and stayed after you for a year until you finally said, okay, mom, I'll, I'll go with you on Easter Sunday. There may even be those of you that are here only because you were promised lunch after it was over. So I understand this morning that I'm speaking to people who have a very diverse opinion or feeling about the things we're going to talk about. But it's you, specifically those of you that do not have that experience that has been on my mind so much in the last several weeks. Because I've imagined that if I were in your shoes and I was sitting here this morning, I might very well have the question, what's the point? 
So Jesus rose from the grave. What does that mean? What does it matter to me? What difference does it make in my life that Jesus was resurrected? So in the few minutes that I have here this morning, I want to challenge all of our assumptions about Easter with two very simple but powerful statements. Here's the first. Easter matters because Easter is about new life. And the new life that Easter represents is an act of God's marvelous grace. This new life that Easter represents is an expression of God's marvelous grace. Now, the story, the backstory of what Steve read a moment ago is that God's people, the, the Hebrew nation, had been in Egypt for over 400 years. They had come there under very peaceable terms, but now were living under the taskmaster of a, of a leader who was scared of them. And so he had imposed slavery on them and they had worked for the Egyptian economy and they were being oppressed and they cried out to God for deliverance. And so it was that God heard the prayer, raised up a man named Moses who God used to lead them out of their former life into a new life. In fact, that night, you heard it in the reading, 600 thousand men, their wives, their children, and all of their possessions walked out of Egypt that night. They were no longer slaves. They were now free people. And that freedom was a new life. And they got it by the marvelous grace of God. It was a miracle that God delivered them as he did. If you were here last Sunday then you heard the message that was preached. If not, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. But Pastor Dustin did an incredible job talking about that night. They were told to put blood on the doorpost and a death angel passed through the land of Egypt and those houses, those places where the blood was applied was saved from the plague of death that came through Egypt. And what, what, what you have is an expression of God's grace and God's mercy upon a people. They were saved by that grace and by that mercy. Well, brothers and sisters, men and women listening to me right now, that's exactly my story. That's exactly the story of every person in this room who claims to be a believer of the Lord Jesus. We are saved by the marvelous grace of God. We're not saved because we're smart. We're not saved because our parents were Christians. We are not saved because we grew up in a church. We are only saved by the incredible mercy and grace of God that has been given to us. Grace so undeserving. We didn't deserve it. We didn't do anything to deserve it on our own. It was God's mercy and God's grace that he chose to save us. The sin of my life, the sin of your life had to be atoned for. And instead of making us pay for it, God said, I will let Jesus bear the brunt and the punishment for all the sin of the world and you will go free. You get a new life. 
And the moment that you believe in that, the moment that you accept that Jesus was God's son, that Jesus did die on the cross, that Jesus' blood does forgive you of your sin, the Bible said you become a new person. You become a new creation. You're not the person that you were before. You're not the individual that you once were. But you have a new life. And that new life is not something that you deserve. Mercy is not about you getting what you deserve. It's about getting what you do not deserve. And Jesus Christ on the cross paid the price in order that you might get what you and I do not deserve. And that is a new life. The life that you live now before Christ, before you make a decision for Christ, is not the life that God wants you to live. He wants you to have a new life, that new life that comes from accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, he said, God saved us by his grace. And you can take no credit for this. It is the gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that you have done. So none of us can boast about it. That's what makes salvation so amazing. None of us can boast about our salvation. You're not going to go to heaven because you're a good person. You're not going to go to heaven because you gave something in the offering a moment ago. You're not going to go to heaven because you keep a list of rules. You're going to go to heaven because at some point you're going to believe that Jesus Christ is the real deal. That Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And you're going to put your full trust in Him. And because of Him, you're going to be saved. It was a new life that came as a result of the marvelous grace of God. Anybody in the room glad to be saved this morning? Amen. Amen. Here's the second statement that would challenge our assumptions about the Easter story. That Easter matters because this new life is a forever gift. Say forever it's a forever gift. The most famous verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting, eternal life. What is he saying? He's saying that anybody in the world who is willing to choose Jesus will have eternal life. Now what does that mean? What's the point of that? It's very simple. You and I are made up of three parts. What you see in front of you is a body. It is the physical representation of Bill Isaacs that is in front of you. But this is not who I am. It's just the shell that I live in. Because at some point, my heart will stop beating, my body will die, and I'm still Bill Isaacs. I just don't have the body that I was in. Not only do I have a body, but I have a spirit. The spirit is God's breath. 
that gives me life, that allows me to live, that causes me to be a living soul. It causes me to be a person alive in the world. And when I die, that spirit returns back to God. As long as I'm in this world, the God's spirit keeps me alive. I am alive because God breathed his spirit in me. And then thirdly, I not only have a body and a spirit, but I have a soul. And it's that soul that is uniquely me. That's who I am. You can't see it. All you can see is how incredibly good looking I am. But inside this incredible good looking guy is a soul. And that, that soul lives forever. Now nobody could teach this lesson better than Jesus who told the story in Luke chapter 16 about two men. He said there once was a rich man who fared sumptuously, had lavish lifestyle, had all that he ever wanted. And then there was a beggar who begged alms at the door of the rich man. And at some point, the, the rich man dies. And the rich man wakes up in hell. Now, his soul is what woke up in hell because that's the eternal part of him. The body goes back to the ground. The spirit goes back to God. The soul of that man woke up in hell. And the Bible said he was tormented there. And he saw Lazarus, who was the beggar, he saw him in the bosom of Abraham. What was the bosom of Abraham? Well, in the Old Testament before Jesus came, people like Abraham and Moses and people like that who had faith in God, when they died, they went to this place where they were waiting for all of their sins to be atoned because see, they had gone to the temple from time to time once a year and and it offered a blood sacrifice as God said. Their sins were forgiven, but they had never been atoned for. Jesus had to atone for all of our sins. It was his pure, sinless blood that became the atonement for our sins. And so Lazarus is in the bosom of Abraham, and the rich man in hell sees him. And he says to, to Abraham, let Lazarus Bring water down here to drop it on my tongue for I am in torment here. And Abraham said, it's not possible. There's a gulf between us. We can't get to where you are. You can't get to where we are. What is Jesus saying? Jesus says, the same Jesus who said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son is telling each and every one of us, your soul is going to live forever somewhere. You may have grown up in Lake County, but your soul is going to live forever somewhere. And the choice that you make is what you decide to do with Jesus Christ. What you decide to do about Jesus Christ. Not about rules. Not about church. Not about money. What do you do with Jesus Christ? Do you believe He's God's Son? Do you believe he came to the earth and died for the sins of the world? Do you believe that he will forgive you of your sins when you tell God that you're sorry? That will determine where you will spend eternity. Whether you will spend eternity in heaven or in hell. 
So let's finish. You and I are incapable of saving ourselves. No matter what we do, you know, we, we do the New Year's resolution. You've probably done a few of those. I'm not going to eat chocolate cake the rest of my life. And then Paul Passarell's mother brings you a chocolate cake. And okay, I'm going to eat one little piece of the cake. Okay, a second piece. A third piece, and this is it. We're not capable of doing it. I'm not going back to the clubs no more. I'm not doing that lifestyle anymore. But we are incapable. We are incapable. We're human. We're sinners. By our very nature, we are sinners. I know sometimes as Christians, we look out in the world and we get frustrated about things that are going on in the world, but I keep reminding myself, this is what sinners do. Sinners sin. It's what we do. That's why we needed Jesus. So that there would be something that would break the whole of sin on our life. Now, I'm not here to imply to anybody in this room that once you give your life to Jesus that you become perfect. And I know some of you probably have dealt with those thoughts that you could never give your life to Jesus because you can't be perfect. Well, listen. There are no perfect people in the world. There's a couple people who think they're perfect, but they're not. And every day, every person on the earth needs God's grace and mercy. We all have those moments when we go back to Calvary's cross and we say to him, God, I'm so sorry for what I did, what I said, what I was. And we lean into the promise that he made that if we confess, he says, if you confess your sins, I will be faithful to forgive you of your sins. I want you to look at the person on your right. Look them in the eye if you can. Okay? And then turn and look at the person on your left. Okay? You don't have to laugh when you do this. It's just, you're just looking. See, there's no perfect person. You know what we are? Forgiven. That's the difference between sinners and Christians. You know, sometimes, you know, people... Say, well, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I mean, I know a man right now. I'm thinking about a man right now who has told me, I, could, I can't do that. I could never do that. I'm, I'm not like the people in your church. I, yes, you are. You're just like the people in my church. And we're all trying to get to heaven depending on the grace and the mercy of God to do it. Here's the marvelous thing about salvation too. Is that when God forgives you, He forgets your sin. Now other people will always remember what you did to them. I mean, my wife has an incredible memory. 
She can't tell you right now where her keys are, but she knows exactly what I didn't do seven years ago. But God's not like that. God doesn't remember what you did in 1986. He chooses, the Bible said, to take your sins and remove them as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't remember your sin anymore. He forgives you. And he gives you a clean slate, a fresh, new life. You're still going to be the same person in, in name, in appearance. But you have a new life. Because Jesus came into the world as a man, lived 33 and a third years, took a cross up Calvary's hill and was nailed to that cross and gave his life for your sins. And the only way, the only way you'll ever get to heaven is by putting your faith and trust in who Jesus is. By believing with all of your heart as best you can that Jesus Christ is in fact God's Son and that God sent Him to this earth to die for you. Several years ago, a young man walked into the church office Billy Walter, one of our elders, and I were talking with him. And I've never forgotten this. It's been so indelibly etched in my mind. This young man's life was so broken, so messed up at that point. We invited him to confess his sins to God and to believe for salvation. And one of us, I don't know if it was me or Billy, one of us said, and God will forgive you of all of your sins. And he looked us in the eye and he said, for real? Every sin? Every sin. You mean to tell me that everything I've ever done, God will forgive me? Yes. Every sin. What he's dealing with is the guilt of his sin. He thinks that some of his sin may not be forgiven and it worries him. But here's the promise. That if you tell God that you are sorry and you sincerely mean it, God forgives you for every sin. Every sin. Shelly and I were watching a medical show last night before bed, and a little boy is having surgery. And they're going to put him out. And before they do, he says to the doctor, he says, because they were going to operate on his brain, he said, when they get into my brain in there and they start working on my brain, will they discover my secret? The doctor said, no. They'll just see your brain. They won't see your secrets. You understand that we all sometimes carry secret things in our hearts that we are scared to death for somebody to find out. If they ever found out what I did, found out what I said, that's the beautiful thing about Jesus. 
He already knows your secret. And He loves you anyway. Your secret does not preclude Him from forgiving you. And His mercy and His grace extend to every sinner in the world. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Paul wrote one time in a letter to the Corinthian church, he said, By the grace of God I am what I am. And His grace toward me did not prove vain. You know, the tragedy would be if you go through your life and you miss heaven because you simply wouldn't accept the salvation that Jesus offered you. So easy to become distracted by so many things and get off track trying to think about this or that. No, it's all very simple. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son? Do you believe He came into this world to forgive you of your sins? Will you tell Him, are you sincerely sorry? And will you tell Him you're sorry that you're a sinner? If you sincerely say those things, He will forgive you. It's not hard. It's just being sincere. It's just being honest with God. That's all it is. So we're going to say a very simple prayer that we say at Lake Erie almost every week. And I say this over again. It's just words on a screen or words coming out of your mouth unless you're sincere about it. Something marvelous is about to happen for some of you because you are sincere. You're tired of running. You're tired of trying to live your own life. You're trying to, tired of trying to keep it all together and you need help. Well, I've got good news. God knew you would be here today put it in my heart to preach this Easter message because he wanted you to know he wanted you to know that he forgives you and he offers you the chance for a new life thank you for listening Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry Ohio about 30 minutes east of Cleveland we would love to have you for a visit sometime for more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.